If you go as far as page 11 in today's West Australian newspaper, you will see a, uh, a pretty horrible photograph, really. Planks of wood studded with dozens and dozens of nails set at head and chest level, apparently the idea being to deter trail bike riders in the Mundaring area. There's also a report of wire being stretched across a track at neck height. The consequences for someone not a trail bike rider, someone on a bike or for that matter a horse, hardly bear thinking about. Steve Pretzel is the president of the WA Recreational Trail Bike Riders Association and he is livid about this. Mr Pretzel, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Jeff. What's your take on, on, on these things? I mean, they, they look like they are traps. Oh, well, that's exactly what they, uh, what they are. We've uh, written to the police commissioner this morning requesting that the police treat that as a case of attempted murder because quite clearly um, if wire is strung across a track and a trail bike rider hits it at some speed, uh, the consequences are likely to be a fatality. Um, and we don't want to wait until something like that happens. We think the police should be treating it as attempted murder and actively investigating and prosecuting anyone found responsible. Of course, the other side of this story is obviously a frustration, anger and annoyance that people are riding their trail bikes where they shouldn't be riding them. That's a, that is a, a justifiable, justifiable argument, of course, but probably nothing that justifies this kind of action. Are you familiar with this kind of activity? Um, look, there have been reports from time to time on it. This one's particularly disturbing um, on a couple of fronts. One is because, um, according to the article in the West, some of these traps have been placed on gazetted roads where trail bike riders who are, that are registered with licensed riders are perfectly entitled to be. And that highlights the confusion out there about where trail bike ride, riders can be riding and, and where they can't. The second point, I guess, is that, yes, you're right, we don't condone riding on trails set aside for non-motorised uses. But the fact is that in the whole of the Shire of Mundaring, and in fact the whole of the Hills area, there are absolutely no trails set aside for trail and quad bikes. And that is the issue, and I know people who live in Mundaring um, are very familiar with this story and, and often, and have expressed to us, really, a lot of their concern about people who take noisy bikes along tracks that they're not supposed to. So from your point of view, and I know your group is, is dedicated to safe and legal riding, you want dedicated tracks. That's, that's the absolute issue for you, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and you look at the area out there, it's a huge area. Um, it's, it's inconceivable that with a little bit of proper planning, there couldn't be areas made available and trails made available for the different trails user groups that would avoid this conflict and would particularly keep the trail bikes away from the residential areas where we understand um, they, they are causing problems. Are you doing, uh, not you personally, but are some people doing the cause more harm than good by riding where they shouldn't? I mean, the response is completely over the top and, and completely dangerous if, if this... Uh, these photographs are an indication. Um, but is there, is there some middle ground here for, your, for riders? Absolutely. The riders have to understand that the future of riding is in their hands, um, that uh, people who do the wrong thing, who uh, ride round and round residential areas, who uh, modify their exhausts so that the bikes are offensively loud, who cut up trails unnecessarily, um, who ride in places where uh, trail damage might occur, particularly in, in areas where it's, it's wet and uh, it can create erosion. 
you know, there are things that trail riders can do to minimise those risks, minimise the inconvenience to the community and, 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 and help the cause uh, uh, to, to get a better deal for riders. Um, we're looking to uh, start an education campaign for riders, um, but it's all part of an overall package and all part of the state trail bike strategy, which the government is, uh, is, is considering. Yeah, in a moment I'll speak to Tony Simpson, who's the, the local MP for Darling Range. You're listening to Steve Pretzel. He's the president of the Recreational Trail Bike Riders Association. I'd like to get your views. You are either likely to be a resident of the hills, irritated by... The, the sounds and the activities of those who take their bikes uh, off-road round your place and annoy the hell out of you, one three hundred triple two seven twenty, or you're a trail bike rider who probably believes that all that, that all you want to do is to have some freedom and some open space to pursue the activity that you really love. Let's see if we can get a mixture of views on this, one three hundred triple two seven twenty, 222720 SMS 1992720. I know we've had this discussion before, but certainly the argument has been elevated uh, by the pictures we're seeing in the paper today that some people uh, appearing to take their frustration uh, into their own hands in an extremely dangerous way. This notion that uh, setting traps for the people who are, they believe, riding illegally. Steve Pretzel, I noticed that um, from your website, you reckon that trail bike sales and registrations are at an all-time high. So where are people riding? Well, there's a whole variety of places where people ride. Um, the uh, off-road vehicle areas which have been set aside uh, for riding of unregistered and unlicensed bikes are really the only places where people can ride as family groups on public land. Uh, the problem with those areas is that they're uh, all very, very sandy, unmanaged, unmaintained, and really not satisfying for riders to ride. Uh, part of the state trail bike strategy is to overhaul those off-road vehicle areas, make them more attractive places. But also, riders don't just like going around and around in a, in a set area. Yeah. Part of the beauty of trail bike riding, just like bushwalking or mountain bike riding, is getting out and enjoying the environment and going on a, on a trail ride from, from point A to point B. And again, that's something that's not being catered for for family groups. And uh, there's a, a lot of evidence that suggests that trail bike riding is becoming a, an increasingly popular family activity. Interesting that you consider it an increasingly popular family activity, but do you think it's one that those outside at that community are, are, are almost scornful of these days? I think there are, there are a lot of activities that people engage in and love that, that from the outside uh, you, you sort of scratch your head. You know, I, I would certainly not want to go burying myself down in a cave somewhere or, or, or throwing myself off a cliff. But people who engage in it uh, get a great deal of benefit, both socially and physically. Uh, and it's the same with trail bike riding. Let's say, let's canvas some broad opinions. Thanks for talking to me this morning. Pleasure. Steve Pretzel from the Recreational Trail Bike Riders Association. He wants more opportunity to do the things he and others love to do. Hello, Brian. G'day, Jim. Uh, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bike rider, yeah. but uh, apart from that, um, setting a man trap is a very serious criminal offence. Two riders. That, that's what uh, putting wires across trails are, and it's not new. We had a, had a couple of experiences with it a few years ago, and uh, it, uh, the people were lucky that uh, it only caused injury and no deaths, but the problem is that you never know who's going to come across that track, and it could be a fellow on a horse and... You've got a major accident. You've got 
deaths unintended. Yeah. Um, so people who, uh, that want to put these things up as a as a resort to uh, get quietness in their neighbourhood are very far off the track. Well, they are, Brian, and they um, and if the police find out who they are, they would find themselves facing. Uh, very, very uh, serious accusations and possibly charges. Tony Simpson is the local MP for Darling Range. He chairs a committee on this issue. Mr Simpson, hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you going? How do you manage the two interests here, the neighbours who want a lovely, quiet, hill, uh, you know, hillside forest environment and others who say we're entitled to a bit of freedom to go down those bush tracks and enjoy it our way too? It's a hard one to Jeff. Um, it, that's a classic example in my area from Serpentine in the south up to Mount Helena and Chidler in the north part there. And the, the lifestyle block, the one or five acres, and the neighbour next door buys the young eight-year-old a peewee motorbike and he just rides around their backyard. But when he gets to about 15, he gets a bigger bike, he's basically down the road. And the back of the Darling Scarp is all open catchment area and away they go. And that's yeah. the issue we have to deal with, yeah. So how, uh, how, how do you best manage it? Is there a compromise permission that says... Uh, yes, these are the sanctioned places you can go. You, you may not have quite the freedom that you would like, but we are offering you that. Yeah, this is the issue of actually finding areas to ride unlicensed uh, motor vehicles or offload motorbikes in particular in the, uh, in, in, in the metropolitan area of Perth. We have a limited spaces. So what, um, from a government perspective, um, there was a report done last year um, called Back on Track and identified a number of... Um, uh, incentives to try and work on this one issue in particular and in the report identified ideas recommendation of licensing all motorbikes now this is probably one of the biggest part of the recommendations and it's, it's quite interesting because you, you Jeff can ride uh, walk down to a, a motorcycle dealer buy an unroad unlicensed motorbike put it on the trailer then on Sunday take it up in the bush and ride around on it and the consequently they're saying well we need somewhere to ride so from a government's perspective um, we've got to find a way to manage that now we could probably have a, a really good argument here and a good discussion about um, we provide a park for football, we provide soccer, we provide a lot of recreation. Um, we don't provide a lot for off-road um, motorbikes. So that is a, a good argument to have. But to move forward from a government perspective, and this is what we've done as the Liberal National Government got together, we've actually, unfortunately, uh, it's quite interesting that motorcycles fall into the Department of Sport and Recreation. So they're actually helping us chair through this, and I'm chairing this committee. We've what was called a joint, a, a joint agency committee together, and we're talking with the Department of uh, Planning to find areas, talking about licensing, about how we go around licensing, we're talking about CALM, and we're talking about DEC, and trying to bring all these people together <laughs> right. to try and to identify, and we're um, probably about halfway through that process. So we are looking at a bigger picture, but yeah, how do we get there in a faster time? Is it going to be a problem? Do you think that you can, do you think you can uh, come up with a solution that may not make anyone very happy, but might, uh, that might just be the option, that it becomes a compromise solution? Yes, I am. I'm very confident we can come up with a solution because basically what it boils down to, um, in a nutshell, if we were to license every motorbike that was sold in Western Australia, if you pay a registration fee, that gives me an opportunity to then lobby the government to get some infrastructure for you to ride in because you're a, you're, it's a tax, so to speak, and that's the mm -hmm. whole issue of it. So that's what we've got to try and work towards is say, because the minute if I go to any area, be it calm, deck or whatever, so who's going to pay for it? And so consequently, it always comes back to a cost factor in it. So that's one of the main issues that we're trying to work through at the moment. Okay. Well, yeah. it's good to talk to you, Tony Simpson. Thank you very much. Let's talk to some people who get out there and do it. G'day, Warren. Yeah, g'day. How are you going? Yeah, good. Um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just ride from Hamilton Hill down to Kwinana, where there's a recreational centre down there. Yeah. And um, just on the point of trapping, I've seen the uh, ranger from Coburn City Council many times lay rocks across... Uh, tracks down there to prevent us from riding our bikes to that 
recreational centre. You've seen the ranger put rocks out there to, 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 to stop you doing it? Yeah, that's right. So we ride along Stock Road where there's a, a, um, a sort of a fire track that runs all the way to the Quinana Centre. Yeah. And um, even though my bike's registered, I still choose to ride down there because it's a lot safer for us. And um, if we come down in the Arvo on the way back, we're not exactly sure what's laying in front of us, so we always take it easy now. But, yeah, quite a few times he's, um, he's put the rocks there. We've moved them and watched him put them back again. OK, Warren, we'll, we'll need to talk to, the, um, talk to the council about that. Thanks for bringing it to our attention. Now, perhaps the other side of the story. Hello, Gail. Hi, how are you? Yeah, tell me your story. Thanks, Jeff. Um, I'm, I've lived in the hills for 20 years. I'm living in the area where these photos were shown this morning in the paper. Um, I don't condone what's been done, but as you say, the other side of the coin is Last, not last Friday, the Friday before, my sister and I took our grandchildren for a walk out to the local school to use the playground. Yeah. And roaring through the playground and the um, oval, and that was a young bloke on a trail bike. Yeah. He had a 12-year-old girl on the back. I sort of recognised from the school because I'm a local teacher. And um, round and round us, gave us heaps, flew down the road, went through the local shopping centre, totally arrogantly, yeah. just aware that nobody could do anything about him. I took a photo of him with my phone, but to the person with me said, look, don't bother, nothing will be done. Yeah, see, this is, these are the extremes, aren't they? The, yeah. the story of people who want to uh, get out and do this in a licensed, reasonable way, and then there are going yeah. to be kids who take advantage of it. Um, however, I, I guess what we've learned today, and because you come from the area where, where the, yeah. um, the, the nails and the timber is, what if we had a scenario where that kid... Was was caught up in uh, in, oh, in I, one I of these bits totally. of wood, you know. That, that, that's as it says, it's um, attempted murder sort of stuff. But I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, we do need somewhere up here to let the kids go. But, but you want you get... want behaviours to improve, don't well, you? Well, I want to get. The, how do the kids get from? This is another problem. The kids um, ride their bikes at the local petrol station to get their petrol. They're not licensed. They don't wear their helmets. Um, this is in no way nothing to do with the petrol station. And they ride the road to get there. Now, it's very hilly. It's very bushy. They don't use fire brakes or anything. They use mm. the road. You know, yeah. total frustration. I'm glad you told us your story, Gail. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jeff. Hello, Hi. Rod. Yes, good day, Jeff. Um, I've sort of sit on both sides of the coin. I ride a motorbike uh, on the road. I've also got an off-road bike, and my two young boys have got off-road bikes. I live in the hills in Glen Forest. Tried to do the right thing, got the bikes uh, off-road licensed, but it's really galling that there is nowhere to go. And as the politician did say, we pay, I pay um, license, off-road license fees for my kids' bikes and my bike, and we can't go anywhere. We used to go up um, off Gorry Road, um, it's a large area, cleared, used to be pine plantation, but apparently the water authority is cracking down on that. So it is a real issue. On the other side of the coin, I'm a, a runner and spend a lot of time running on the, um, the bridle trail, the old railway track, and it is yes. annoying to have um, kids on motorbikes come roaring past. So I can see both sides of the coin, but I'm just sort of, again, another voice that there's something that does need to be done. Um, there is a lot of um, vacant uh, crown land, forest land in the hills area that would be ideal um, for this sort of activity. We all know that motorbiking, like most things, horse riding is dangerous. People die horse riding, people die motorbike riding, but it has adventure, it has fun, and it's a good, clean sport for the kids and just looking for um, an appropriate place to go so that we don't annoy people. Because, you know, sometimes I've been out with my boys and we come across a couple of horse riders. 
try and do the right thing, slow down, uh, take responsibility for our own safety. So, yes. yeah, there, there are reasonable people out there. <laughs> I'm sure there are, Rod, and thanks for giving us really two signs of the coin. Jeff, we live opposite a walk trail, which was the old railway, and the bikes are a nightmare. They create such danger for all, and a lot just laugh at you. We would not hurt anyone, but an innocent person will be hurt soon. However, Sam says these people who are complaining in the hills are a lot like people who move to Northbridge and then complain about the noises coming from the pubs. 26 minutes to 12. Damien is here with your emails, and thank you. I think you've been extremely productive today. Morning, Dave. I've got a phone book's worth. Have you? Stacks. Um, Ian's decided to stir the pot a little bit. Jeff, with all this talk of evolutionary matters, I'm wondering if we'll hear some contrary nonsense from Mrs. Blue Rinse from Wilson, who believes creationism is somehow connected with science. Yours, Ian. Thank you, Ian. Core. Cool. Yeah, just waiting for Mrs. Blueness of Wilson to ring in. Uh, Travis says, Jeff, I have a licensed dirt bike and I really enjoy riding through Perth Hills. I was shocked to hear of these traps. It's a huge area. Surely we've got space for unlicensed bikes too. And a caller said, why don't they use an Angara pine plantation? Is that a reasonable option? Yeah. Well, hmm. Is that a I don't know. That is exchanging backyards really, isn't it? Yeah. The Morning Programme with Jeff Hutchison. 7.20, ABC Perth. And now starring Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Yes, hello. Trail bike, Sarah. Yes, that's right. Um, I was just uh, ringing up because um, I live in the Mundaring Shire. Yeah. And um, I'm a 40-something lady and I ride trail bikes, which I guess is a bit different from um, everybody's view of trail bike riders. <laughs> sure. What did you think when you saw the picture in the paper of uh, someone's rather deliberate attempt to hurt someone who rides a trail bike? Just. Horrified. I mean, just the thought that not only could that have been me or my kids or people that I know, I just think that it's diabolical. But I think it's, uh, I guess, a symptom of the conflict and how everyone's feeling about it. I just thought I'd comment as well on that email that someone said about why don't you ride at Nangara. I don't know whether anyone's been out there lately, but that would be like saying to a bushwalker, why don't you go and ride in a rubbish dump? Um, it's not exactly very nice. Okay, fair enough. Now, Sarah, what's the answer? Um, the answer is like most things, you know, there is a lot of people out there that enjoy the activity, but it's not at all recognised, you know, for the Shire of Mundaring to say we spend all our time with rangers stopping people, why don't they put in an off-road vehicle area, gazettes and trails, let people do it in a, in a managed way and, and let us enjoy our activity in a responsible manner. Thank you for calling, Sarah. Okay, no worries. Good on you. This is Peter. Good morning. Good morning. Jeff. Trail bikes, Peter. Yes, thanks for taking my call. Just to let to say that um, Mundaring is not the only shire with a problem. We have the same issues in Lower Chittering. Yeah. Um, people using trail bikes, even constructing trail bike courses with mounds and jumps and God knows what else on their properties. Um, on the other hand, there's people that do use the bikes on their properties, four-stroke engines, they keep within the Shire's rules and regulations of two hours continuous use. No problem at all. It's when you get the other side of the people who use the two-stroke machines roaring around and then their friends come and accumulating. We then get eight or nine different bikes on the same property roaring away for five or six hours during the weekend. That's really not um, acceptable and not really doing the community thing in trying to be reasonable with their neighbours. So there's always two sides to a story. I think there might be three with this one, Peter, isn't it? Because well, I think the government also 
Um, everybody blames the government for this, and, and they can only do so much with what they've got to do, like everybody else. But if they make rules and regulations to say that people can only use a, a machine or a motorbike or an off-road bike on a certain day or on a certain hour or whatever, then they've got to make the provision for people to be able to use these bikes for a weekend when they want their, their relaxing time. And why shouldn't they? You know, it's an enjoyable sport. I'm not against that. But what I am against is, is the few, like everything else in life, Very the true. few people who spoil it for the majority. Thanks for the perspective too. Michael, hello to you. Hello. Um, look, all, all those comments are very valid. I suppose from my perspective, the issue is the supervision of the vehicles as they arrive into areas that can be used for riding. Yep. And uh, the concern that I have, and I'll use Lancelin as a focus for the uh, point of view, uh, if vehicles are stopped on the way into Lancelin to the off-road vehicles area and the vehicles haven't got the off-road vehicles registration, that they can't uh, demonstrate that they've got... Uh, boots, helmet, you know, proper safety gear, they're turned around and sent back. And it just appears more often than not that it's the minority uh, of people who tend to break the rules that cause the problem for the good majority. And obviously it's very disappointing that people are taking issues into the, their own hands to control uh, this minority. But if you look at the boating and the way boating has been managed and how effective that's been, uh, it would be good to see that same type of uh, level of um, enforcement in terms of the off-road vehicles. I wonder if that part of it is about uh, making everything completely licensed, Michael. Look, it has to be. Um, it, it's something that you know you wouldn't see a boat travelling out. The only way to be able to manage whether a boat has the right flares and to be able to ensure that there is some recourse if a uh, an owner is out in his vehicle or his boat is to have a registration that uh, an enforcement officer is able to take notes of and you know, duly uh, attend to the uh, requirements. Thanks for your call, Michael. Thank you.